systems. <clears throat> garage is a garage, right? How do you say it in America? Garage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's a rough? A roof, right? A roof. Okay, we got it. Well, all these businesses that start and graduate, have you seen that little advertisement? I don't know which company it is. I'm always amazed at the list. I wrote them down. Uh, there was 10 great businesses in America that were started in somebody's garage. And uh, you probably know most of them. The first one's Apple, Google, Mattel Toys, Hewlett Packard, Amazon. Walt Disney started his business in his garage. Microsoft, Yankee Candle Company, and then the great one, Harley Davidson. That one should have been started in a garage, right? That's where you put your motorcycle. Uh, but as being a former policeman in Canada, the one I couldn't believe was Maglite. I hit more crooks with a Maglite than you could ever imagine. Whack! And a uh, great big eight-cell flashlight. Yeah, Maglite. Huh? Uh, but there's one more that isn't on the list, and that probably hardly anybody ever knows, but it's, it's one that's important and dear to my heart. If you fly to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and as you fly over the airport, the plane makes a turn, and you look down on a gigantic building right there in the road, right by the airport, and it's called Sullivan Industries. And you think to yourself, why is there a big business like this in Sioux Falls, South Dakota? Well, I want to tell you the story. Marion and Bill Sullivan in the 50s had the dream of providing Christmas trinkets to businesses all throughout the United States. They started in their garage. And in that garage, they had a radio. And they turned that radio on as they were putting together the little pieces. And one day, a Bible teacher came on that radio. And as Bill and Marion, Lutheran people, began to listen to what this man was talking about, they did two things. The first thing was they both got down on their knees and prayed to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And then as they prayed to receive Jesus, they said, Lord, if you're in control of our lives, we want to give this business that's just a tiny little business starting the garage, we want to give it to you, and we'll tithe everything that you give to us. And that's the second decision they made. They began to be tithers. And then in the 80s, I met Marion Sullivan. Bill was gone to heaven. But Marion is the president of Marion Sullivan Industries. And her and I became good friends. She's the only lady that my wife Linda will let me take out to dinner. <laughs> i got to tell you a funny story. I took her out to dinner a couple of years ago in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was weather like we're having out here. And I drove her up to the door of the restaurant. And, and uh, we got in there. And the restaurant in Sioux Falls, South Dakota was packed full. There were candles on the table. And I'm thinking to myself... I wonder what's going on today. And then I realized it was February 14th. It was Valentine's Day. <laughs> there are about 10 other families in the restaurant that knew who I was and knew who Marion was. Came up and wondered why I was having dinner with Marion. Marion became my number one donor. She gave me millions of dollars. Millions. If I showed you this morning the list of ministries that she supported every year, tithing, her business's income, at, at the last time that I checked, it was $5 million a year. That she committed to God because of a teacher. Oh yeah, the Bible teacher. His name was Jerry Falwell. Uh, the radio program was the Old Time Gospel Hour. Many of us don't even know what it was about anymore. Jerry Falwell's gone to be with the Lord. And she was committed to that man because of two things. One, because of his message, they came to know Jesus as their Savior. And secondly, they began to tithe. Aren't you glad you're a part of a local church where your pastor believes in tithing? Pastor Dan, for 15 years, has faithfully got up behind that pulpit every January and shared the truth of God's Word. 
in terms of giving because he believes it. And, and if he didn't believe it, we wouldn't have a church like we have here that are touching hundreds, literally thousands of people's lives with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Dan has led us in that great event. Over the weekend, uh, or I think it was last week, I've been on vacation. I got to watch a little TV. I watched that old movie, Jaws. <laughs> you ever see that thing? Yeah, some people have never seen that movie, Jaws. Robert Shaw, remember him? He was the great boat driver that was going out to kill the fish and they got the big shark in the back of the boat and he's dragging it back to shore and the boat's overheating and he turns to the two other guys, the policeman and the young guy, and he looks at him and he says, eh, taxidermy man going to have a heart attack when he see what I brung him. <laughs> Do you remember that? <laughs> now, I don't want to give Pastor Dan a heart attack, <laughs> but we could make him cry, couldn't we? Huh? What would happen that if on one Sunday we all brought a tithe of the income that we'd have? Now, he'd probably have a heart attack. <laughs> or at least he'd cry. But wouldn't it be something that if all of us somehow would come to the realization of what it is that God wants us to do in terms of our giving and to be faithful to God so that the gospel message might go out through the whole world, starting here in Algonquin and moving down to Elgin and throughout Illinois and maybe throughout the United States and down throughout the world. I'm glad Dan's a great Bible teacher, but I'm glad we got the teaching of the Lord Jesus in the Bible, aren't you? Huh? And when we have that message, you know, Jesus spoke more about money than any other single topic. And uh, you will always all remember in Luke, if you turn there in your Bibles with me, uh, to Luke chapter 20, beginning at verse 19, it's a pretty amazing story. As they tried to trick Jesus about giving. And it's verse 19, Luke chapter 20. And the scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on Jesus that very hour. And they feared the people, for they understood that he spoke this parable against them. And they watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be righteous in order that they might catch Jesus in some statement so as to deliver him up to the rule and authority of the governor. And they questioned him, saying, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach correctly, and you are not partial to any, but teach the way of God and truth. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Uh, but Jesus detected their trickery and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. And Jesus said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were unable to catch Jesus in a saying in the presence of the people. And marveling at his answer, they became silent. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and money. You either hate the one or love the other, love the other or hate the other one. And Jesus was very careful to let us know that we need to have our priorities straight in terms of our giving. It's one of the first spiritual lessons you need to learn when you become a follower of Christ. That you and I learn how to get our priorities right. And we've got Jesus to teach us about that missing piece in many of our lives. And there's only three little things I want us to look at this morning. It's found in, in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus very clearly tells us a couple of issues from verse 17 to verse 20. 
Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and so teaches others shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever keeps and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus teaches us three little principles out of this passage in Matthew 5, the Sermon on the Mount, that you and I can take and put into practice in our lives so that we might understand what it is that God wants to accomplish through us and in us. And so that we might experience the blessing of God. The first one is this. Jesus paid the tithe. <laughs> he, he paid the tithe. He said, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. You see, the tithe was a part of the law of God. And remember now, Jesus was 33 years old. Here he was, uh, growing up in a Jewish home. He understood about what God demanded in terms of giving. And how many times, <clears throat> as a young man, would he go to Jerusalem up to the temple and he would see people giving? Uh, now, nobody knew that he was Lord of the temple, Lord of the treasury. huh? Uh, but the Bible teaches us that every time he went there, he learned and taught something about giving that you and I need to learn this morning. Eh? The Bible says that for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. You see, God is a giving God. And He was willing to give that most precious gift for you and for me. And even Jesus, understanding that principle that He was the one that was given, wanted you and I to learn that it is more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> I watched Pastor Rich this morning. Somebody did not give him razors for Christmas. Huh? Did you see that? I was right up close. If you got a couple extra bucks, give it to him. And he tell him to go buy some chicks. <laughs> and he can shave himself up here. Huh? I have a little game I play at Christmas all the time with my family. My three girls, or two husbands, were, were home. And... Uh, uh, as they were marching around, we have our stockings and our gifts, and I always make like, man, I didn't get anything this year. I got the least. huh? And one of the girls invariably will quote the book of Acts and say, Dad, don't you know Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive? And I'll give my little smile and keep on complaining about what I don't get. huh? But the Bible says, but God demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> Jesus paid so much. Uh, he paid it all. All to Him we owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And you and I know that Jesus understood the tremendous privilege it was to share in people's lives. He knew that. He knew all about it. And that when we share in people's lives, when you and I discover the secret of tithing, when we bring our gifts with full hearts, I tell you what, it makes a difference in people's lives. I get to go around and preach in the craziest places. One of the most amazing places I was, was at 
had to do with Deuteronomy 26. When you have finished paying all the tithe of your produce in the third year, which is the year of tithing, give it, giving, giving it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, so that they meet, they eat within your towns and be filled, then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the sacred portion out of my house, and moreover I have given it to the Levite, the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, according to all your commandments that you have commanded me. I have not transgressed any of your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book in the Bible. Why? Because he believed in the message of what God was trying to do. And there I was in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Faith Baptist Fellowship a couple of years ago. They asked me to come and to raise some money for the building so they could have a, a new addition on their building. If you go out there today, Faith Baptist Fellowship has the most beautiful addition and God's people. And, and, and I, I'm always amazed at what it was that pricked the hearts of the people there on that Sunday before I was there on that Sunday a group of boys came forward dressed as shepherds carrying a treasury box from the temple of God and as every family saw the young boys coming and putting the box up front and then by faith coming and giving their tithe for the new building and then the next Sunday I was there and as I was sharing about what it is that God wants to do here at Faith Baptist Fellowship and as I was getting down to the end of the message, as I told them stories to make them cry, because you know I can do that. <laughs> and as they were weeping, and, and as people were responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ, one woman, a widow, a woman struggling with the issues of life, stood up in the service. She came forward with her purse. And she took that purse and she dumped it on the communion table. And then she got down on her knees and weeping before God. And as Pastor Neil Hughes went up to her and said, Woman, what is it that I can help you with? And she said, I don't have much. But I want to participate in this building. I want to reach people with the gospel. Of Jesus Christ, I want the privilege, and I'll never forget what she said, I want the privilege of being a partner with God. You see, God, through the person of Jesus Christ, wants to partner with you so that you and I might have the privilege of reaching out with the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that don't have the privileges that you and I have here at Springbrook Community Church. And when we do those things, then I tell you what, and, and i, I got to tell you, those projects that every year the leadership and Pastor Dan get up and challenge us with, and how many widows and orphans, people in prison, have been touched because of your giving and your generosity? <laughs> Lives being changed for the glory of God, all because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain in my life, but he washed it white as snow. And all he wants me to do is to give back a little bit of the blessings that I've received in life. <laughs> Linda and I have been married 42 years. I tell this story everywhere I go. I was a firefighter in Waterloo, Ontario. I was up straightening the hose on the top of pumper number three. 
couple of the boys from the group that I worked on came up to me and said, Doc, they didn't say Dr. Lou, they said, Lou, you dirty rat. No, <laughs> I wasn't a pastor then. And they said, Lou, you go to that Baptist church down the street. I was a brand new believer, born and raised a Roman Catholic, and then fell in love with a Baptist girl. Always a dangerous thing to fall in love with a Baptist girl. Huh? And I remember that day at the picnic table, we didn't have much money, but we had a picnic table for a kitchen table. And Linda was writing out checks, and I looked down, and there was a check for First Baptist Waterloo. Now, it wasn't a very big check, but it added up to 10% of her salary and my salary. He's a firefighter and a nurse. And I said to Linda, why are we doing this? And she said, because the Bible tells us so, and that sealed the deal for me. And for 42 years, we've tied, when we've had little or we've had much, we've written that check and we've given so that people might know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those two firefighters came up beside me and they said, Lou, do you tithe? And I said, yep. And they said, well, why do you do that? Why do you give all that money to the church? And I said, because it's in the Bible. And because Jesus wants me to do that. And brothers and sisters, He wants us to do it so the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, according to the commandment of God, might have an opportunity to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that there might be a difference made in our world. And God knows our world needs that difference this morning, doesn't He? He knows it. And then the second point is this. Jesus promoted the tithe. That second point. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Until all is accomplished. Jesus promoted that tithe among the people that he lived with. You remember the story where they had to pay the tax and Peter said, how are we going to pay it? We got no money. And, and he, he, that's where Jaws comes in. <laughs> he tells him to throw his line into the water and, and look at that big fish that comes out and take the coin that's in his mouth and pull it out and render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar. Jesus didn't have to pay that. He was exempt. And he even says it in the Scriptures. He was Lord of the temple. He was Lord of the treasury. But because he wanted his example to go forward as he promoted the tithe, he said to Peter, you go and take it for me and for you. Huh? And so that there could be no fingers pointed, that nobody could trick him. He wanted to fulfill. And then he tells the disciples, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And brothers and sisters, the only righteousness that counts in this old world is not a legalistic system, but it's the grace of God. That it's Jesus is the one that is willing to allow us to have the privilege of partnering with God uh, so that we might too promote the good news of Jesus Christ around the world. We want to follow the example of Jesus in promoting the tithe. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness, but these are the things you should have done without neglecting the others. And Jesus says it so clearly. You should have kept on tithing, but you should have done the things also that count with God, uh, that we might reach out and minister to one another and encourage one another. <laughs> there I was, the senior pastor of First Baptist Church, Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> Who knows where North Dakota is? I think they closed the state yesterday uh, because of the cold. 
And I've only been cold twice in my life. Uh, once in November 9, 1950, a stranger held me by my feet and slapped me on the bottom. I can still remember being cold. Uh, the second time was in Minot, North Dakota. Cold? I want to tell you, it was the only time we ever closed the church on that Sunday. But I got feeling guilty, got into the car, got down to the church. When I got to the church, there were 50 people at the door of the church trying to get in. I let them in. I said, who are you people? Oh, they said, we go to the mainline churches in downtown Minot. Huh? It was so cold this morning, our church is closed. But somebody said, oh, the Baptist church had never closed. It'll be open. When we got here, it was closed. I said, oh, I'm the pastor. We'll have a service right here. And I told those crazy deacons, we'll never close this church again. Huh? If we have an opportunity to share Christ. And there I was at the first business meeting of the Minot First Baptist Church. And the pastor, the former pastor of the church, didn't have a good run. He was my friend. And uh, the half the congregation was upset that he was forced out. There I was sitting in the back. The moderator was leading the meeting. And one Air Force man stood up and yelled as loud as he could and berated the moderator. And then he ran out of the sanctuary. And I was the senior pastor, brand new, from Chicago. I thought, what am I going to do? I went out and chased the young man. He had his wife. They had the little baby. They were leaving. They weren't ever coming back. And I said, you can't do that. I said, you can't do that. I said, I grabbed his hands. I put their hands. I brought them in my office. We got down on our knees. And I said to him, you just can't do that. It's not honoring to Jesus or to God. I said, here, every, anybody can get mad. I said, you, you come in and apologize and, and ask the moderator's forgiveness. And then we'll push on with business in the church. You know, that young man came back in, walked right to the front, put his arms around the moderator, begged his forgiveness. And then he was transferred by the Air Force to another air base. For six months, we got their tithe check in the mail at First Baptist. Because he appreciated so much that the people were willing to come and forgive him of his outburst. Finally, I had to write him a letter and say, Brother, find a local church near where you work and give the tithe there that's the place to give the tithe to the local church where you're getting blessed and we're grateful that you're sending it here but please please write your checks to the church where you go so the ministry and brethren listen to me the ministry here at springbrook would not be what it is if we didn't have faithful people right here at springbrook saying yes we're going to promote the tithe among our folks so that we might see the gospel go forward every day of the year so that there might be an opportunity for others to hear about Jesus in a way that makes a difference. And the third point, Jesus possesses the tithe. Huh? He shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. In Hebrews 6, 19-20, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Who was Melchizedek? He was king of Jerusalem, the king of peace, uh, but he was also a priest before his God. Without a genealogy, without mother, without father, without a past, and without a future. Who was he? He was the Son of God. Come in that form 
uh, so that the people there in Israel, Abraham, might have an opportunity to understand who God really was in his life. <laughs> and then the Bible says in Genesis 14 that Abraham, in acknowledging the king of peace, Melchizedek, brings a tithe. And then if that was all there was to the story, you and I would be left thinking, well, who was this guy Melchizedek? But the writer to the Hebrews tells us huh, that Jesus is the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He is both priest and king and prophet. He's the Messiah king. And it is Jesus that possesses the, the tithe. When you and I give it, we give it to the king. The king receives it. Our high priest Jesus, who has inaugurated a new and living way into the Holy of Holies, that He has paid the penalty for your sin and for my sin. It is this Jesus that is going to intercede forever for you and for me. And when we give our gifts, we're not giving them to the church. We're giving them to Jesus, King of the church, so that He might use them and multiply them for His glory. I tell you the truth, you and I who are partnering with God, you do not know what it is that God is going to accomplish here at Springbrook and around the world because of faithful giving. Because Jesus is the one that receives it. He is the one that invests it. He is the one that gives the final okay to the use of that money so that missionaries might go in His name. Church planters might plant churches that we might see each and every person have that opportunity to hear about the Gospel. Somebody say amen. Yeah, I preach to white people at Springbrook. i got to tell them where to say amen. Amen belongs there. Amen belongs there. Ah, I can get excited about this one. Because you see, when we give, I've told people this everywhere I've gone, nothing significant ever happens in the church until someone gives something. When you and I give... God acts. He doesn't need us. He wants us. I don't even know if I can tell you this story. <laughs> there was I, a young pastor in Melville, Saskatchewan, Canada. I left the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, went to seminary. And then they called me to be the pastor of a group of people of 60 people. A retired pastor who was now a farmer came up to me and he said, Lou, we haven't made the budget in 30 years. We're not going to make it this year. And I thought, oh man, what an encourager. That's <laughs> just the kind of guy you need on your team. <laughs> I'm glad there's none of those kind here at Springbrook. Uh, and then I started going through the business books of the church and I realized that Clem and Sylvia Ock were the former pastors of the church. They were there before me. As I looked at the books and looked at the people and looked at the community, I realized, boy, they must not have had a very successful ministry because nothing much happened here. Nothing much seemed to happen. Clem and Sylvia Ock were called to be missionaries from that church to Cameroon. West Africa. They went there. And then the Sunday I had to get behind the pulpit. 
and tell the dear folks at Belleville that Sylvia had been killed in a car accident in Africa. And I saw my people begin to weep. People had to run out of the room. They were weeping so hard. Because I realized right then that Clem and Sylvia Oak had a deep ministry in the lives of the people in Melville, in that church. And then a couple of years later, I got to go to Africa. And I went to the hospital where Clem... was the administrator. And I saw little African children that were delivered because Clem got the best doctors there. How he changed people's lives. How he built the ministry. And then I went to the grave where Sylvia Auk was buried. I still have a picture of it where she had given her life for the cause of the gospel. And then I was the fundraiser at North American Baptist Conference here in Chicago. Here were missionaries, dirt poor. <laughs> And every year they were in the top 20 of giving back to God that which God had blessed them with. And I thought to myself, these are people that understand the reality of the Gospel. And how the difference is going to be made because of Christ working in their lives. And I determined that when I left Melville Baptist Church, I would leave with the same spirit that Clem and Sylvia brought to that local church and invested for the kingdom of heaven. Let me ask you this morning. Are you a partner with God? Are you doing what it is that God has asked you to do? Are you giving of yourself in a way that is going to make a difference for God and for His great kingdom? Didn't I tell you about Mary and Sullivan? Sullivan Industries? You know, you think a woman that has maybe a billion dollars would have everything in order, wouldn't you? If Marion were here this morning, I'd bring her up here and I'd say, not to give her a big head, but here's one of God's faithful servants. Marion had two daughters on drugs. A son that was an alcoholic. A husband that died early. A husband that abandoned his wife and his children. Another son. This poor woman has been on her knees more times than you could ever imagine. Linda and I would get the phone calls and the one grandson that, while I was preaching in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, he came forward and committed his life to God. A grandson. You know where he went? He went to Liberty University, Jerry Falwell School. He was going to be a professional baseball player. He was the one bright hope in Marion Sullivan's family. And then when I got the phone call from Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Marion said, 
my grandson was found dead in his dorm room at Liberty University. And I thought to myself, how much can one woman take? How much disappointment and discouragement with her own family? And then I began to realize, they're not really her family. They're God's family. God is in control of her life. Brethren, listen to me this morning. It does not matter what is going on in your life. What matters is, is God in control of your life? And are you willing to partner with Him? Are you willing to do what it is that God wants you to do? There's one missing piece. It's on the last slide. Take a look. The missing piece of the puzzle. The foremost purpose of tithing is to secure not the tithe, but the tither. Not the gift, but the giver. Not your wealth, but you for God. That's the missing piece. That you and I are willing to give ourselves to God the way His Son, Jesus Christ, was willing to die upon the cross of Calvary so that there might be a real difference made in people's lives. That you and I might become the investment that God wants to make in this world. That you and I be willing to say yes to God this morning. And that we might leave this place saying, yes, Lord, this morning I'm going to, I'm going to make that decision to be a partner with you, to do whatever it takes so that other people might have the opportunity to hear about the Christ. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're here. We thank you that you are speaking to us. And Lord, we're asking, oh God, that you might receive the glory, for you are the great God of heaven. Lord, we give you thanks for the Lord Jesus for sending Him here to this world, that we might follow after Him, that we might hear His call, that we might allow ourselves to be investments for the cause of Christ. Lord, we think of the words of the Apostle Paul to the Romans. I urge you, therefore, by the mercies of God, to offer your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is our spiritual service of worship. This morning, Lord Jesus, we worship you, we exalt you, we magnify you. Most of all, we love you. We ask, oh Lord Jesus, that you would be magnified in this place. In each heart, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. We're going to take the offering up now. Inside your worship folder, you have a blue sheet. I think this is the last Sunday. We're able to take a special gift for the projects that we have for this year. Give generously. And then you also want to make sure your tithes and offerings are coming for our regular program. We want to encourage Pastor Dan, even though he's away and recovering, the money's still coming in so that we can do the work of God. Thank you for being faithful here at Springbrook. Thank you for doing God's work His way. Nothing significant ever happens until somebody gives something. And when you and I give, it makes a difference in our world. And somebody said, Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Splendor of the King Go to majesty 